0: Jordan Weatherston Pitts is with us today, and he's got a lot of insight on personal branding and social media. Jordan studied vocal performance and, as a fledgling opera singer, didn't quite have confidence to build his social media presence. However, he has worked to create an online brand for himself, first on Instagram and now on TikTok. Jordan has continued to grow his career and his brand as well as work as a content creator for the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art, he brings to the table his experience in keeping his brand alive and his sanity, despite the industry going dark, and shares some tips, tools, and tricks of the trade to boost social media presence. Visit us at outofthearts.com for more free job transition resources. Make sure to check out our services page for personalized support options.
1: Hi, Jordan. Hi. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: For everyone who's listening, Jordan and I went to college together, and we were actually also in the same voice studio. So, you know, Haas fam represent.
2: Haas family, always and forever. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: She's the best.
1: She is the best. We both come from an opera performer background. I kind of jumped off the track a little early, but Jordan, Jordan has plowed straight ahead into a full-time career as an opera singer.
2: Yeah, yeah, something like that.. <laughs> I love those lines.
1: Jordan once upon a time was a, quote unquote, fake baritone. As a baby undergrad, but is now in real life a tenor, very very large voiced tenor.
2: Yes, well, <laughs> I mean I don't talk about the size of my voice, but yes, I, I'm <laughs> full full lyric tenor. I forgot I actually. Like I mean, I was just it's so funny because I forgot I, the other day someone was asking me if I'd ever been a baritone, and I was like, no, that never happened. But I remember like the first couple months of undergrad, Dr. Haas being like. Um, You can't sing above F, so you're going to have to be a baritone for a while until we can figure things out. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: That was an interesting time.
2: Weird time, yeah. 12 years ago or however long, I don't know. (laughs) A
1: million million years ago. a
2: A million years ago, yeah.
1: So you forged your career as an opera singer, which is just amazing because I personally did not have the wherewithal to make it through all of the pay to sings and all of those type of things as a very young opera singer and found another path that worked well for me. But you have forged your career as an opera singer and not only as a performer, but you are now working really hard to just build your brand in the land of social media as well which kind of these days has to go hand in hand with being a performer for the most part.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about performing and branding and how you make that into a brand on social media for the rest of the world to see?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it all kind of started with a a few conversations with some mentors of mine that are – Professional opera singers as well, but, you know, are singing at a very, very high level and talking to them about the things that sort of help you amp up your career in a way that, you know, doesn't necessarily have to do with your singing. Obviously singing good vocal voice quality, you know, (laughs) is paramount in opera. But then there's also this like branding thing that has been happening for some time now. Obviously with the advent of social media, things have become very different for opera singers, for every artist in general. But as an art form, classical singing had never really fully gone in that direction. If you remember in the sort of early 2000s, we're talking like the new advent of the sort of, you know, Yankee diva era is what I call it. You know, Joyce DiDonato, Anna Netrebko, all these like really beautiful young people that started, you know, singing opera, introducing us to new repertoire, the Met Really got into Met and HD. All of those things now have shifted into this thing where you have to have an online presence. And it was always something that I kind of skipped over because I was just like, you know, everybody has an Instagram. Everybody has a Facebook, obviously. At one point, everybody was making those artist pages on Facebook, <laughs> right? Step one. And then Instagram kind of came along and took all of that branding, quote unquote, stuff over. And it's not that it got taken out of the equation. It's just that like now it's, it's become this thing that you have to do. Again, I always glossed over it. I didn't always feel like it was the most important thing, but then I realized, especially during the pandemic, that it's necessary. And also like coming out of the pandemic, we're going to have a different look and feel to the industry. And I think the online thing is even more important for a plethora of reasons.
1: What has really gone into building your brand for you?
2: The biggest thing for me is, first of all, I have based a lot of my stuff off. Well, okay, let me backtrack. So I started, the reason it all started for me, obviously, were those conversations I was having with like Lucas Michon, Russell Thomas, these people about branding. And then I started an online group uh, called Yak Tracker, which, if you're familiar with singing, you know that young artists have an account with a website called YAP Tracker, which stands for Young Artist Program Tracker, right? And that's where everybody finds auditions. That's where everybody finds all of the major young artist programs in the country Advertise there. They put up their casting there. So I decided a couple of years ago when I was working for an advertising agency here in Harlem, I was thinking to myself, like, there's got to be something more I can do to, like, create community at the time, I was a young artist. I was like 26 years old. I had only done one program. I was kind of struggling in the sense of like, I'd always been broke. I'd always been wondering like when I was going to get a job that felt stable. All of those things that you just talked about, the pay to sings, the, the constant voice lessons, the incredible expenses of being here uh, had all really got me really worn down and I was having a hard time being a young artist in New York City specifically about ready to throw in the towel of course but i basically created this community called yak tracker instead of yap tracker which stands for young artist community <laughs> tracker where um i decided that you know i wanted it to be a place where people talk about first of all financially what they were getting into as a young singer and then also to be able to basically kind of commiserate around the trials and tribulations of what was going on so that is the big thing I want to say is that that was like my first thing where I was like okay I need to brand myself around being a young artist first and foremost because at the time I was and sort of put myself in a in a place where I was on par with other people in my flock other people in my voice category a good friend of mine named Dane Suarez was always he's another tenor he sings similar repertoire he was always like, you know, putting his things out on Facebook, making sure that people knew what he was doing and and I was just like, oh, Dan, you're so good at those things. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I not good at those things? Why am I not doing that for myself? Which the answer was at the time, not only did I not understand what to do, but I also didn't quite think I was worth it at the time. You know, like I didn't think that I was like somehow able to market myself. Um and that goes deep, but, but, but it's simply not true. And anybody that, uh, even is beginning can, can brand themselves and market themselves online. But yeah, Yak Tracker was like the first time that I was like, okay, I need to do something. And then I started to build my brand around being a young artist, connecting with other young artists at the time, basically like figuring out what to do to get to the next step. Obviously continuing to audition and always putting content out there. So what goes into it is I put out content. I want to remind people the things that I'm doing and I try to like brand it in a way that makes it look sort of like mine, right? I'm really into bright colors, but I also really like very sleek, minimalistic type things. So I like clean lines, but bright colors and sometimes very dark noir type things as well. Obviously the days of curating your entire Instagram page are kind of over, but in a way I still try to, you know, I try to like keep it going in that direction.
0: How do you define a brand? Is it just the name? Is it just the name and the colors? Like, how do you define that for yourself?
2: It's an experience. <laughs> I'm so extra. It's ridiculous. Um, but true though. It's very true. Like, I, again, I was working at this marketing agency, this advertising agency. It's called blur communications. And one of our clients was FIT. And I remember looking at, looking at all the stuff we did for FIT, the subway posters, the online stuff, the admissions marketing, all those things. And I realized like it's consistent across the board. No matter what, they might change colors. They might change a font here or there, but the logo is always there. And the experience of the look and feel of all the advertising is the same across the board. I'm not always 100% great at that, but I definitely try to keep it consistent. I try to show my personality. I try to connect with people in a human way, especially right now with TikTok. Like I'm trying to like connect with people through the screen. It's a little hard to do sometimes, to get used to. Mm-hmm. Ripe age of 30 on TikTok. Because, <laughs> oh my, because wow, okay,
1: like, Grandpa, calm it down.
2: Everybody's 22 on TikTok <laughs> and younger on TikTok. I define a brand as something that is consistent in terms of quality and also is an experience that you are selling. You know, that sounds contrite, but you are selling an experience, first and foremost, rather than just a look and feel, it's like a full on thing.
0: That makes sense because I know when I see people talk about selling glasses, yeah, you can take a picture of the glasses on a table and that's one form of exposure. But that's much less interesting than taking a picture of someone wearing the glasses.
2: Absolutely, precisely. That's exactly the thing. Yeah.
1: Are there any particular tools you use or things you do to help make sure that you keep your brand as consistent as possible?
2: Well, it, I, it depends. Like, for a while, I was using an app that was like helping me like photos that were in my target audience, you know, like the lexicon of my target audience which I don't fully recommend anymore. At a certain point in time in Instagram life, that was very helpful, it was a very useful tool. It was something that we had a monthly subscription, it was like $7 a month, and you it would go through and it would like photos for you, which was a little creepy, but, but you realize, once you realize that that is something that's accessible, you realize that a lot of influencers and a lot of direct marketing people use that kind of thing constantly. I did use that for a while, but then I stopped using that because it just felt, I wanted to have like a real connection with people and build a follower base that's like based off of people that I know and I interact with and I genuinely want to like the content I see. And obviously the TikTok or not TikTok, the Instagram algorithm kept changing and now algorithms keep changing across the board with TikTok as well. So apart from that, I use obviously for photos, I use like Facetune. And then I use a few apps around video editing. I use Video Leap. I don't know if anybody knows about that. Video Leap is a great, great video editor. There's a whole, I think it's called Light Tricks is the company. They have a whole suite of apps that help you edit videos, photos, and even audio. Like you can edit audio as well. And it's amazing. The, it's free. The monthly subscription you get more. Like you can, you can use like any of those stock sounds that you hear all over YouTube or anything like that. Right. But I don't pay for that. I I use it for free and it works really well.
0: Are you using this on your phone or your computer?
2: On my phone, yeah. That's predominantly it's actually become a lot easier. I was just about to say I have Final Cut Pro on my computer that I use for my job at the at the Met Museum, but I predominantly use Video Leap because I all my videos, even my recordings, like my singing and everything, I take on my phone. I have this lovely MV88 microphone. It plugs right into my phone. I use this to record. It's all on my phone these days. So Final Cut Pro is kind of, you know, if I have a larger video file, I'll use that and offload it to like a separate drive so that it's not taking up space on my computer. So... Mm-hmm. Code has had made me very <laughs> tech savvy in a in a weird way.
1: Yeah, right. It's crazy how it feels like overnight everything just went like.
2: I never would have done any of that. I mean, I I had minimal video editing experience. I would take videos on my phone. And I was okay with the sound. It didn't matter to me. But now I can tell the difference. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very different world. Very very
0: different world. So what are you doing with the Met now? And where did that come from?
2: Right. Okay. So it's a story, but basically uh, a while ago, we're talking late 2018, early 2019, just actually, yeah, December 2018, I was in between gigs and I needed, I worked for a temp agency called Atrium Staffing here in the city. I had a couple of different temp agencies I was working for. There was one called Beacon Staffing, Green Key Resources, those kinds of things here in the city. There's a bunch of them. Some of them are better than others. And I was like kind of desperate for some money after I got back from Hawaii Opera Theater, where I was doing a Romeo and Juliet. I got back. I was desperate for money. I took any job that came at me. And one day, my recruiter, called me and asked me if I wanted to take a job at the Met Museum. And I was like, I mean, sure. Like, that sounds like a great place to work. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it was just as a, an HR associate, like just like helping out in HR. After that, I got to know people in the medieval department. It's so weird. It's like the strangest thing. I worked in the medieval department for a hot second. Then I went back to recruiting. I was there on and off for over a year in recruiting as a recruiting coordinator I became best friends with the director of recruiting, the manager of recruiting. (laughs) And then I somehow magically in February last year, I had gotten back from a tour. I was on tour with the Boston Camerata. And again, I was like, I don't know where my, I don't, I know when my next gig was, right? I had a huge debut coming up in Europe and I was like, okay, I have time between that. I need to make Some money again. And then again, they were like, there's a position at the Met. And I was like, oh my gosh, here I go again. But I've been very lucky because I make connections with people. I made connections with people at the Met and it just continued. All of a sudden, I was working in membership in February and I was just helping out with the events team in membership. And then coronavirus happened. And all of a sudden, you have all these responsibilities. Like, I got piled on these responsibilities of editing an online video series, filming, obviously, you know, answering the inbox, that kind of thing. And then, like, eventually, I mean, I'm I'm shortlisting this. Eventually, in the summertime, I started running their social media account for the Met members' social media account. And now I do that pretty much full time. And then recently, we're talking in the past seven days, got promoted to now the coordinator of direct marketing in membership so hmm. it's just absolutely wild but i just continued to do my job and fortunately did not get laid off when they did a massive layoff throughout the pandemic so now I'm the coordinator of yeah, direct marketing operations at the Met so,
0: well congratulations
2: uh, thank you thank you so much thank you
0: that's very exciting how does this and singing fit together?
2: The problem is that they don't. <laughs> and, and I'm very upfront about that. They don't quite fit together. The good part is that they're very flexible in terms... Obviously, I'm working from home now. So that's worked out pretty perfectly because during the audition season, whatever audition season we had, because it was minimal and it was trash, <laughs> um, everything was online So I had time to go do recordings, you know, on a Thursday in the afternoon. You know, I had time to sit down and obviously I'd be working, but sometimes I would like go in, and edit, you know, pull up my website and like edit my website, make sure that everything was congruent across the board. I had time like no other to be able to focus on my stuff, my own branding. And that got noticed That, that that didn't go without notice. I work also sometimes freelance for a pay to sing program in Italy, built their website over the course of about a month. It works out really well to have a schedule where you're working at home. It's nine to five, it's something consistent. And also it pays really well. So it's, I've been able to afford my voice lessons. I've been able to afford my coachings. I don't have to worry about being able to make those. Obviously the scheduling has to be in between five and whenever or on the weekend. But that works for everybody right now because nobody has anything else going on. I'm going to continue to do it, obviously, as long as I can. But yeah, I mean, it's worked out really perfectly. I cannot ask for a better situation at the moment.
1: That's great. And honestly, super lucky that you've been able to do that. But then as a result of that, you've also been able to make sure that you're not just fitting in lessons and coachings, but you're also able to to keep your social media up and running and keep your career going as much as you can in a pandemic. I've seen that you've done some socially distanced and those types of performances in the recent past that you've promoted on social media. But then also just a couple of months ago, you started your TikTok.
2: Yes, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did. I don't even know where to begin with that. I just, I was obsessed with TikTok. TikTok was what was getting me through the pandemic because it's joyous and it's hysterical. It's not without its problems, but it's majority of the time hysterical. And I found it a really exciting way to be creative and kind of express myself about things that I I have very strong opinions about. (laughs) You know, I think other singers don't, not that they don't talk about, but it's just not as, they're not as public about it. Yes, but yeah, I had done I had done a few. I did a premiere of a new opera in August. I did a Dido and Aeneas with Boston Camerata in the fall. Like I did a bunch of stuff in the fall, which was also hashtag blessed because other people weren't able to do as many performances or, or you know weren't able to perform at all, and here I was able to sing through whole operas simply for being in New York. It was close. The things were happening here. People hired me. I feel very grateful, but TikTok came out of this need to be on stage and need to like connect with people. And it's so strange. My first video that went viral had nothing to do with me. It was, it was a, a video of my friend Teresa Castillo singing the Queen of the Night aria, famous one. And it got, oh my gosh, I don't even know where it's at now. I think it's like 400,000 views or something. I don't know, 90,000 likes, something like that. And it was just something I recorded over the Christmas season. I was doing a gig that was like, again, socially distanced. And I was like, she sounds really good. So I'm going to record her and I'm going to put it on TikTok because I know people love that Queen of the Night thing. I really genuinely had no... My TikTok was just for me to like enjoy and I would make videos every once in a while ranting about, I don't know, being like gay and black and outraged and like, you know, like uh, and occasionally offer singing. And all of a sudden I gained like 2,000 followers in the course of two weeks. And I was like, what do I do? Do I start creating content? But also I felt a sense of guilt because it wasn't me singing in that video. You know, it was like her. And she was like, do you want me to take it down? I will take it down. She's like, no, keep it up. I'm going to create a TikTok. Then she made a TikTok. She's had videos go viral on her own. Recently, I just had another video go viral, much less so, but of my own content. And that was a totally different experience. Where I was like, my God, I gained another thousand followers or something like that in a matter of days. It's absolutely nuts. The whole thing is very stressful. I don't recommend
1: <laughs> So go into that for a moment because you did kind of – lean into the original viral video and decide to create this TikTok brand, this TikTok account, you are currently aiming for 10,000 followers, right? And more. And you're creating a lot of content. So talk about that for a little bit. Like talk about what type of content you're putting out and why and and what you're doing.
2: I haven't quite developed the quick copy for it yet. But essentially what I want to be is an account that talks about opera and singing from a sort of like performance practice point of view. There are a lot of opera singers on TikTok that are well, I wouldn't I shouldn't say a lot. There are a number of opera singers on TikTok. There are a lot of singers on TikTok. I do that in air quotes and we're on a podcast. I'm doing that in air quotes. There are singers. <laughs> and I, I'm not shading them. It's just that there are a bunch of singers that do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like voice teachers react at this. Voice lessons talking about like technique and things like that. The majority of which is about musical theater. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be that way. I would rather, because of my experience, the type of music that I, the repertoire that I sing, I would rather give people a more realistic view of the operatic industry by and large, because I do have, even though, you know, I only have a few principal contracts under my belt, I do have a ton of experience around auditioning, getting in front of agents, talking to people that can help your career. Like I I have a lot of practical experience and I don't think a lot of people offer that. And I, I saw a niche because after that first video, people asked me questions They were asking me stuff about, especially men's voices. They were asking me like, how do I do this? And how do I do this technically? You know, and there's a whole period of time in early January where I was just answering questions about vocal technique. And I thought that was kind of arbitrary. I didn't think there was anything, anything was going to come out of that. And then people started asking me to demonstrate and sing, made a couple of videos. I still do make videos of me singing. And then people started asking about, History, opera, opera history. And so that's what led me to make the Black Opera Singers video that went viral recently, last week, you know? Mm. So I would rather it be a place where people get practical pedagogical advice. Yeah, the real, the real, real.
1: Yeah. Now, talk about the differences between TikTok and Instagram.
2: First of all, I would say obviously TikTok is a platform for videos, 15 seconds to 60 seconds. Instagram just made a, a recent update in response to that because TikTok's popularity skyrocketed. Um, something called reels where it's only 15 seconds and you just, you know, you can just scroll for hours. The same thing with TikTok. TikTok is, uh, designs a scrolling video feed that is catered to you. It's called the For You page, abbreviated as FYP. For you page is just a ser- series of videos that tiktok pushes out to you through their algorithm that they think that you will like so the more content that you interact with around certain subjects for me obviously my feed is full of singers constantly it's constantly full of classical singing singing in general but a lot of that depends on your watch time how long you get through the video obviously if it's 15 seconds you're probably gonna get through the whole video but if it's a 60 second video, they ask, or they like look at how long you watch the video. And if you watch the whole video, they'd show you more of that content. Obviously, if you like that video, they show you more of that content. Instagram, in its history, was a photo feed. It was something where, you know, you could just share photos of your life for public consumption or your friends or whatever, the people that you follow. Now, Instagram has become, because of its recent updates, more, more often than not, a sort of commercial utilitarian shopping network, also a personal brand haven where people go to become influencer type celebrities, where they are like providing people with just photos and videos. You can do both of themselves and their lives and the things that they're involved in. A lot of people speculate that Instagram will go out of popularity because of TikTok's popularity in terms of like how we digest content specifically because instagram has become so artificial around the way people display their lives and the way people offer content to you and tiktok is has a little bit more authenticity shall i say because you can go viral for any number of things just being yourself or being funny any one person, if you look at TikTok celebra- celebrities like this girl, Brittany Broski, you mm-hmm. just started making videos and she's hysterical. And then she becomes this mega celebrity and she's not particularly, I mean, she, I think she's beautiful, but like, she's not like Instagram model, right? Like she's a normal person. And that is, I think much more, it's very needed, but it's also like much more where people's heads are at these days. So I don't know if that describes the difference.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. So taking that, You have both as part of your personal brand as a singer. What do you think people can take from each of them and use each of them for to help promote their brand?
2: I think Instagram is a great place to promote, obviously, your look and your feel. Also, your singing. If we're talking about singers specifically, it's a great place to promote your singing and to promote photos of yourself and also provide links to your materials, your website, your people have a thing called Linktree where you can link all of your stuff to all mm-hmm. of your other social media. TikTok, however, since the videos are short and you cannot put an entire aria on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is better for creating connections. I don't want to say networking, but it's also like, in a way, it's networking. It's like creating connections by sharing your opinion, sharing your story, sharing your thoughts and opinions about things that are happening. Also sharing news, things that happen that are important to you as a singer. My brand specifically hinges in a, in a lot of ways around being a black opera singer. I have a different experience of the industry than a white young artist from the Midwest. Like I don't, that's, it's very different. So mm. I would like to connect with more black opera singers on TikTok. I mean, not a lot of them of my community is on there, but I wish, you know, I want to draw people there so that we can share more openly what it is we do and why it's different and why black singers should be appreciated, lauded, celebrated the same way as anyone else. It's like the difference between direct marketing and just like a marketing campaign, right? Like I can have a campaign based series of posts on Instagram But direct marketing leads me to, like, okay, how do I interact with people that I really want to, like, direct this to? That's TikTok.
0: You seem to have a very interesting ride across social media in your presentation because you talk about how you were doing vocals and talking about vocal performance, and then it it kind of morphed into more and different things as people ask you different questions. For some people who change brands, maybe going from an opera singer to... Opera director, or if they're doing different kind of changes, how do you navigate those changes?
2: I think it comes down to being honest and vulnerable about what it is you're going through. There's a soprano that I follow on TikTok that actually talked about this specifically, right? And this is what I'm talking about. This is her story. I don't think she would have put this on Instagram because it's not digested in the same way. In TikTok, there's an there's an understanding that it's going directly to people that want to hear what you're talking about, or they they follow you because it's interesting. What you talk about is interesting. She was talking about like how she stopped singing and she became an administrator. Um, for these reasons, you know, I thought that was amazing. I mean, I'm like, I, I don't, like, I don't, I don't judge her in the first place at all, ever, not at all, ever. Um, I think this whole like side hustle as, as a stigma thing is contrite and ridiculous and outdated, frankly. Mm-hmm. So amen. Yeah. I think that her being like, having been making several videos. This is the reason I'm not an opera singer anymore, but I do know a lot about opera or I know a lot about singing and I know about vocal technique and whatever. I'm also a voice teacher. I'm also this, I'm also that, but I'm an artistic administrator. Is like fascinating. Where where do you have the space to do that on Instagram? You don't really? Maybe if you share your TikTok videos to Instagram, (laughs) you can, (laughs) but who has time for that? To navigate that on Instagram, I think it's just a matter of just living your life and just doing what you got to do. And then obviously starting to network in different ways, connecting with administrations, connecting with institutions instead of just singers. I think that's a difference of people, what people might do in their networking if they were an administrator. I would add, for instance, Fort Worth Opera on on Instagram rather than Lissette Orpeza. Like I would still add Lisseto Orpeza, but I would add the institutions as well and connect with them differently.
1: Right, yes. All of this put together is helping you keep things afloat, both professionally and personally, right? It gives you an outlet to be able to perform and connect and do all of the things that you aren't able to do on a regular basis because of the pandemic. But also, it keeps you relevant and allows you the opportunity to keep your brand and your career going despite not being able to be on stage on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, it does. And it, it, I have conflicted feelings about it. Of course, I enjoy it and I like it, but it's at the same time, it's just like, I just want to get out and sing again. Like, I just want to be a singer and not not, necess- not necessarily not have to worry about it, but just like worry about it less and just focus on singing. And But I do enjoy, I mean, right now, TikTok is like my favorite thing. Also, Yak Tracker as a brand is really taking off separately. The group itself has just over 3,000 young artists. And so in, there's an Instagram. I have a website, Brewing. I'm going to try to make it interactive and have a newsletter and all these things. But that is sort of separate. Like, I want to you know, make money doing that, but also offer what I need young artists to have, which is information. And I want that to be completely free. Like, I don't want art, young artists to be paying for shit. They don't need to be paying for it, let alone applications. Like, y'all pay too much money. I Like, don't pay me anything. But I would like to make money... Advertising or some other way, you know. So that's separate. But for me personally, like my own personal brand on TikTok and Instagram, I just want to get out and saying it helps me mitigate frustration of the moment by being able to connect with people directly and talk to them about my experiences working in many houses, working in many situations, and you know, giving them the real, real. I find a lot of people on TikTok, not necessarily aren't telling the the reality of the situation but they're just they don't go deep they don't go to that level I find so I find it refreshing to be able to like talk to people and there's a bunch of young singers that follow me on there that ask me sometimes like the most outlandish questions and I try to keep things interesting so
0: you talk about how how you wish you could sing more and do this less (laughs) less not necessarily not but less
2: less but just yeah
0: right What are some ways that you've found to kind of protect maybe your mental health and your personal space while being so public?
2: I'm a very boundary person in general. I consider myself to be at least, and I've had a hell of a time dealing with my own mental health and my own personal life. I went through a horrible breakup in June and two years ago, also a horrible breakup with some, both of them with long-term partners that I was living with. Shit really hit the fan for me. I also lost $60,000 worth of contracts in like five days. And I just really, I had the hardest time figuring out what to do. And honestly, the social media, especially TikTok right now, like that helps me in a way because it's like I'm connecting, I'm connecting with people, but I can still maintain my own boundaries, my own safe space, my own life. Um, And if I don't feel like posting, I don't have to. I don't have to post absolutely everything that I go through or that, like, comes to my mind. I like to be kind of intentional about the things that I create. So I think I have an easy time maintaining my space, doing things that are self-soothing, self-comforting for myself. Obviously, I'm in a better place now than I was, you know, last June. I think it's a journey in general. You know, I don't think anyone arrives at, like, perfect mental health. I think it's, like, an ongoing. <laughs> if people are getting too personal, which hasn't happened specifically. I mean, people have said dumb shit on TikTok. People say the dumbest things. on Social media in general, but dumb shit. I had one video where I was talking about the difference between Dutch and Danish because Americans don't seem to understand the difference between Dutch and Danish. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I was talking to a friend about Denmark. Because I, I lived there for a while, years ago. And they said Dutch, like, randomly in the next sentence. And I was like, no, but you realize those are two different things. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Danish. But I was just, like, making this video about it. And I got all these comments. person was like, well, you're neither of those things. Or, like, you're – why are you talking? – you're an Af- – someone called me an African pretender. And I was like, A, I'm not African. B, what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, it was wild. So – that kind of thing, I took that video down. It might still be up. I'm gonna take that video down. That's not the kind of thing that I need to have out in the, on the internet. It was just an idea that came to me that needed to be talked about, but does it need to be? Like, I don't know. I don't need to keep that up. I don't need people to make comments about that.
0: Do you delete the the post or do you delete just the comments?
2: I deleted the comments. I'm probably gonna delete the post because I don't really not like need it there. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll leave it up. I don't know.
1: All right, so social media is a large animal. There are so many platforms out there. We've talked about mostly TikTok and Instagram. Those are the two, I think, most popular and most common right now, especially for audience-facing people. They're the best way to be able to release that that creative and artistic content on the world. Facebook is also... A big one, still, technically, although less so for people our age.
2: It's very ubiquitous at this point.
1: Uh, Yeah. And then, of course, there's, like, Twitter, which is a different animal, and not so much for artists. It tends to be more for, like, politics and journalism, for the most part, these days. But there are so many, so many things going on out there, and... It's so important that everyone finds their own identity and their own niche and the platform that they're comfortable with to be able to make their brand and create their brand and keep it going. So, given all of that, it's a it's a vast world of social media nonsense out there right now. <laughs> if you could give one piece of advice for someone who is trying to build their social media brand, and keep things alive for themselves during the pandemic what is your one piece of advice
2: it's a fine balance between planning things out ahead of time and doing things kind of off the cuff i would say obviously to be to be authentic that sounds a little weird but it's like be authentic like be authentically yourself like don't try to be anything other than what you are i think that's really what people are responding to nowadays again like i said before the instagram influencer thing is not necessarily on the outs completely obviously it's still a thing but you got to know what it is you're bringing to the table and you got to be authentic about it i know that i'm not going to be like posting thirst traps you know like that's not that's not what i do i know that i'm going to be like i'm going to be posting things on opera and and my singing specifically be very specific about your your goals, what you want to do, and then also have a nice mix planning out what your content's gonna be several posts down the line. Don't just post at random, plan your shit out, and then keep it authentic. That's my advice.
0: Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you would like to throw out into the universe?
2: My biggest thing happening in social media, other than Yak Tracker, TikTok, all those other things, is that I run the Met Members Instagram account we have around 14, well, almost 15,000 followers. And that's more of like the learning experience of, okay, I have to plan those things. Like I have to plan out what we're going to post. It's very directed towards members, very niche. Um, and the more niche you are, the more intentional you have to be about your content. Because people will come to you for specific content to see certain things. And they'll let you know also, like the comments are there. You know, there's the feedback of what you do. So always listen to that. Always like give the people what they want. They keep coming back for more. It sounds so capitalistic, but it's true. Like you have to give them what they want. You know, people ask for what they want. And they're like, I want to see you do this. Or, I want to see, especially on TikTok, people are like, I want to see you do this. or I want to see this or this. The Met members account has been an experiment in like very directly planning out content. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that's all I really have to say about it, but I just realized I didn't touch on it. That's it.
0: Thank you so much to Jordan for joining us on Out of the Arts Podcast. If you would like to engage with Jordan, he can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Jordan W. Pitts. It's linked in the show notes. Also, be sure to check out Yak Tracker at Yak Tracker, if you are in need of guidance in the Opera Young Artists community. As always, thank you for listening. If you liked today's podcast, make sure to subscribe and share. And don't forget to come join the conversation at outofthearts.com. Follow us on social media at outofthearts for more resources and support. And be back in places same time next week.
1: The Out of the Arts podcast was created, written, and produced by Beth Partham and Amy Shake because we are super excited to flaunt our awesome transferable skills in any way, shape, and form we can. Audio Engineering by Beth Partham and Music by Amy Shake because if we're still paying on our student loans, we are definitely going to keep trying to use our degrees in the way they were intended. Out of the Arts Podcast is copyrighted by Out of the Arts, LLC, 2021.